Welcome to episode 199 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast for the week of December the 3rd, 2012. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. On this week's episode of the Fredcast, a conference in London sparks winds of change in professional cycling. Interbike welcomes you, the consumer, for one day only at this year's show. Plus, we'll talk about what Bike Shop Saturday is all about. We'll also do a little bit of pro racing news and there's a new website bringing social product reviews, demos, comparisons, and yes, advertising. So sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike hammer just a little bit harder, because here comes this week's episode of the Fredcast. Hey, fellow Freds, welcome back to another episode of the Fredcast. Can you believe that this is regular episode number 199? I'm kind of excited about that. As a matter of fact, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while. But first, I need to stop down and thank our show sponsor. You know who I'm talking about. That's Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the Fredcast. Now, for those of you who are listening to the enhanced version of this podcast, if you look at your screen, you are seeing a, a version of what you'll also see at www.thefredcast.com. And that is the advertisement for Jensen USA's 12 Days of Christmas, taking place right now, December the 3rd through the 18th. And what that means is that every business day at 9 a.m. Pacific time, Jensen USA is listing new great deals on lots of great stuff for the holidays. So you got to go to JensenUSA.com slash the Fredcast every day, uh, click through to their homepage and check out the new deals every single day during Jensen USA's 12 days of Christmas. Now, I've told you before, and I will tell you again, Jensen USA is one of the greatest places that you can go uh, online to find an amazing selection of cycling products at incomparable prices with some of the best customer service in the industry. Go ahead and check them out. You know you've got lots of people on your list who are cyclists who need things for the holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it is. And by the way, if it's for Hanukkah, you're running out of time, so you better get started. Go to jensenusa.com slash thefredcast and check it out. As always, we thank jensenusa.com for their support of the Fredcast, and we thank you for your support of Jensen USA. Topping off the news on this week's episode of the Fredcast is, well, I can only call it winds of change. Uh, and it seems to be blowing quite steadily. And over the last few days, much of that wind has come from London. And that's because that's where a new pressure group entitled Change Cycling Now held their first summit uh, as a way to try to develop some ideas and direction to overhaul professional cycling and bring about change in the governing body, the UCI. Now, this effort was started by a gentleman by the name of Jamie Fuller. Jamie Fuller owns compression clothing company Skins, and Skins recently filed a $2 million lawsuit uh, against the UCI for failing to get rid of doping in the sport and claiming that the UCI's failures to manage the sport properly thereby damaged Mr. Fuller's business skins. Shortly after he filed the lawsuit, he also uh, posted an open letter to riders, and I suppose fans and others and observers as well of professional cycling, uh, indicating that change was necessary. And then he later announced this Change Cycling Now and a summit in London. Within a matter of a couple of days, uh, he found himself, Mr. Fuller did, found himself uh, among the company of some of the most well-known people in professional cycling and in the fight against doping. 
And these folks decided to sign themselves up as participants in the Change Cycling Now Summit, including, and I'm just reading them in alphabetical order, and I'm just going to give you some of them, but Dr. Michael Ashenden, a name that we've all heard uh, in regards to the doping fight for a long time. Eric Boyer, who's a former pro cyclist and a team manager. Johnny Buño, who is the president of the Cyclists uh, Association or uh, League. Also, uh, Jorg Yaxi, a former professional cyclist. Paul Kimmage, a name that I think we've all heard a lot lately, a uh, sports journalist. Uh, he's the one that Lance Armstrong said wasn't worth the price of the chair that he was sitting in. Andy Lay, who's been on this show before as the co-founder, co-founder, excuse me, of BikePure.org. Uh, somebody whose name you may be familiar with, Greg Lamond. You know, uh, America's winningest. Wait, America's only Tour de France winner, having won the Tour de France three times. You've also heard Greg on this show before. Uh, also there, Jonathan Vodders, who is the uh, president of the AIGCP, and also I think you know him uh, as a team manager of uh, the Garmin team, and also David Walsh, who's a sports journalist and author. So within days, uh, this esteemed panel uh, determined they wanted to join Mr. Fuller in London for this summit. Also there, uh, uh, somebody who you may know from Twitter, Festina Girl, someone who has been vocal, and I believe... Uh, even mentioned in a New York Times article about the fight against doping, and also our good friend Scott O'Raw, one of the co-founders, the two co-founders, along with John Galloway, of the VeloCast podcast. And by the way, if you don't listen to the VeloCast, you should. Uh, John and Scott do an amazing job. This group met in London for a couple of days over the weekend, and at the conclusion of their meetings, they held a press conference and I think the keystone of the press conference was a what they call a roadmap for the future direction of competitive cycling that they call the Charter of the Willing. Uh, the Charter of the Willing has several points that it would like to put forth as uh, ways to change professional cycling, starting with uh, something we've talked about on the Spokesman podcast uh, for a number of years, a truth and Reconciliation Commission, whereby those who participated in doping in professional cycling uh, over the last well, few years, decade or so, would have the opportunity to come forward within a window of time, uh, state uh, their offenses, uh, uh, explain how they were able to do what they did, uh, and how they were able to get away with it, and be able to have amnesty for those who come forward during this window period. And that would extend to riders, team staff members, administrators, everyone who was involved in doping practices. Their second point is that an independent commission needs to be set up to investigate the UCI and its senior management. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment because it appears the UCI has already begun that process. Third, independent doping controls uh, to ensure that the doping that goes on is outside the control of the UCI. Uh, why would they say something like this? Well, remember uh, in the Lance Armstrong affair that there was indication, there were indications that uh, there may have been a positive result that may have been uh, set aside, covered up, call it what you like, uh, and I'm not saying that this happened because I don't want to get sued by anybody, but those are the indications and certainly the rumors and innuendo. And so by taking doping controls out of the control of the UCI, it would remove the possibility of uh, corruption or a corrupted result uh, if they had control uh, over that. And finally, their last point is they're calling for cultural change within the UCI and specifically uh, looking for the UCI to act in the best interest of the rider's health and well-being, uh, ensuring that they don't act contrary to the interests of the sport, making sure that they have uh, roles that uh, do not give them a disproportionate influence over the organization, etc. cetera. Uh, and one of the things in there that I think is interesting uh, is that they want the UCI to recognize fans as stakeholders 
in the sport. One of the reasons I think that that's interesting is because uh, the UCI recently announced that they would be uh, taking comment uh, and having meetings with quote-unquote stakeholders in the sport, uh, and yet fans were left out of that. So it's interesting to see that the Change Cycling Now uh, organization uh, has definitely put that in as part of its charter. Now, also in the press conference, it was widely agreed that uh, Pat McGuade and Hein Verbruggen should immediately step down and be replaced. Uh, And Uh, There was some joking and ribbing, it seemed, going uh, back and forth about who on this panel would want to take the role of president and replace uh, Pat McQuaid at the top of the UCI. And Greg LeMond, who was a participant, his name was floated as a possible choice for president of the UCI. And that got worldwide headlines. There are some indications uh, in in reading through some of the reports of those who were there um, and some of the things that have come out since uh, those headlines were made, that uh, Greg Lamond might have been floated almost as, uh, as a joke uh, or certainly only as a temporary uh, replacement for Pat McQuaid uh, before uh, someone perhaps who's got uh, more experience in uh, these kinds of organizations. Um, Greg LeMond certainly has a lot of experience in professional cycling. Greg LeMond is certainly somebody who was uh, widely criticized, uh, certainly by the Lance Armstrong camp over the last few years. Recall that that press conference that occurred at Interbike that I covered. uh, And then what was interesting was I was one of maybe two, maybe three at the most Journalists who stayed after that press conference to get Greg's side of the story. And I was number one starstruck and and loved the fact that I had the opportunity to even uh, talk to Greg for the amount of time that I did. And I've since had uh, multiple conversations, interviews with him since. He's a, a, a nice uh, a gentleman uh, and someone that, that I certainly admire. Um, the point is that, that Greg was roundly criticized uh, in the sport among uh, cyclists, professionals, uh, and among fans, uh, perhaps because of uh, the aura and sort of the Teflon personality of Lance Armstrong. Now Greg is being uh, bandied about as a possible replacement for Pat McQuaid, but it seems to me that even if that happens, it's going to be temporary. So that was the result of Change Cycling Now. I'm uh, working to try to get Scott O'Ra, our friend from Velocast, on the show for an interview to find out a little bit more in-depth uh, his impressions from having been there. Uh, he too was roundly criticized, as was uh, from Twitter Festina Girl, because there were people who felt that uh, who are these two individuals uh, to be attending the conference as representatives of the fans? And I, I know for a fact uh, that that was not Scott's intention, uh, nor was it Festina Girl's. Uh, I believe that they were simply there because they had the means and the opportunity to be there Uh, as observers and to simply present their own personal views, uh, I know that they they wouldn't take it upon themselves to be, quote-unquote, the representatives of the fans. Now, the entire conference, uh, before it convened, was criticized in some quarters, people feeling uh, or wondering whether or not this and the lawsuit by uh, Jamie Fuller from Skins are merely PR, PR opportunities for his company. I mean, after all, uh, this is the first time I've mentioned Skins on this program, and I think it's the first time that a lot of people, uh, a lot of fans and uh, cycling aficionados have even uh, perhaps heard of the company. Uh, certainly, I've heard of them before, but it's it's not a brand that, that I'm intimately familiar with, uh, and you may be in the same boat. So there were many people who felt that this might have been uh, simply a PR ploy or a marketing ploy. Be that as it may, I think we need to leave that aside because certainly with the esteemed panel who participated in this conference, uh, with their experience, with their staunch anti-doping positions, uh, and with a very serious charter having come out of this organization, whether or not uh, this was a PR or marketing ploy, despite the genesis Uh, No matter its intent, uh, I believe that this has some legs. 
and at least gets the conversation moving in the right direction. I certainly have not been secretive about my disappointment in and disgust with professional cycling, both from uh, riders and administrators of the sport. I'm encouraged to see that there are winds moving in the right direction. Now, one thing in the charter that I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable about, I I can't prove it. I haven't had the opportunity to go back to to my my archives of the Spokesman Cycling podcast. Uh, but I recall that if I wasn't the first, I was one of the first on that show to mention a Truth and Reconciliation Commission for cycling. And I would say that that was at least three or four, maybe more years ago. Seems to me it may have been before I moved to Utah, which was uh, almost six years ago now. I've changed my position on that. Uh, because um, at this point, a lot of water has gone under the bridge and a lot of things have happened. And my personal opinion, and perhaps it's a bit of um, coming out of anger, disgust, and I'm looking for a bit of retribution, but from my standpoint, uh, I'm not at the moment, and people can sway me, certainly on this one. I haven't dug my feet in in, in concrete on this, but at the moment, I'm not very much in support of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I've spoken with others about this this week, and I've gotten mixed reviews. But in my view at the moment, those who participated, as I've told you before, in doping and in the subterfuge thereof and in the coercion of others um, have no place in my sport. Uh, And I don't believe that providing them with amnesty is the way to go. I might be swayed that a reduced uh, sentence, if you will, a reduced sanction, akin to what those received who participated in uh, providing their testimony and affidavits and depositions in the Lance Armstrong USADA case, uh, but providing blanket amnesty just for coming out and uh, uh, providing your side of the story, rewarding, if you will, Uh, years of abuse of the system, uh, lying to the fans and downright cheating. I'm not in favor of that. So that's my opinion. Love to hear from you. And by the way, as I said, if I can get Scott O'Raw from Velocast to come on the show, I would gladly do so. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. Love to hear your opinions on this. It is Change Cycling Now at changecyclingnow.org. Go ahead and check it out. But at least in my opinion, I'm glad the winds are blowing in the right direction. Now, perhaps in response to the Change Cycling Now conference, just a day before that conference convened, uh, the UCI announced that it would convene a three-member panel to investigate the UCI and the alleged links to Lance Armstrong uh, that were spoken of in the USADA reasoned decision, and also, of course, in the Tyler Hamilton book. The three, uh, three-person three panel includes British British Judge Philip Auten, uh, British Paralympian Tanny Gray Thompson, and Australian lawyer Malcolm Hughes. The panel is going to meet in London uh, from April the 9th through the 26th, 2013, and issue their report no later than June 1st, 2013, which, you know, perfect timing could make for a very interesting Tour de France season, which has seemed to be the case the last few years. UCI President Pat McQuaid was quoted in a statement as saying, and I quote, The appointment of these three eminent figures demonstrates clearly that the UCI wants to get to the bottom of the Lance Armstrong affair, and put cycling back on the right track. Among the topics on the agenda for the panel would be whether or not the doping rules that that the UCI put in place were adequate and whether or not they were enforced properly, whether or not the UCI had any evidence or information that Lance Armstrong was doping, and whether or not it cooperated adequately with uh, USADA's investigation and whether or not it reacted properly to 
USADA's investigation. You'll remember uh, that uh, there was one moment in time when the UCI said, hold on, USADA, well, you can you can stop that, guys. Just just send us all the information. We'll handle it from here. And so I think that that's exactly what they're talking about. Now, Pat McQuaid, in his statement, uh, said that the UCI would indeed fully fund the commission's work uh, and that the UCI would be legally represented at the hearings, but they didn't say whether or not those hearings would be private or public. What's interesting is he did go out of his way to say, quote, the costs of the independent commission will be a significant burden on the UCI, unquote. Uh, proceeding to then say, however, it is clear that only such a decisive and transparent examination of the past will answer our critics by thoroughly examining our assertion that the UCI's anti-doping procedures are and have been among the most innovative and stringent in sport. Well, let's move away from professional cycling into what all Freds love, which is product, especially new product. Uh, now, since 1989, I've had the privilege to be able to attend the Interbike Trade Show, um, both in when it was in Anaheim and Atlantic City and Philadelphia, and of course, uh, once it moved to Las Vegas. I've also had the opportunity to go to trade shows in Europe uh, and Australia and Asia in the bicycle industry. And year after year after year, friends of mine who are Cyclists, cycling aficionados, bike geeks, let's just call them Freds, have all said to me, how can I get invited? How can I get a badge to go to the Interbike Trade Show? Now, i got to be honest with you. I've seen many of you there. Many of my friends I have seen who clearly are not uh, uh, bike dealers. Uh, they're not manufacturers. They're not in the media. They're not supporting the bike industry. Uh, they're not distributors. They're simply consumers. And you, you know who you are. You've been able to get yourself into the show with a badge. And you know what? I think for a long time, people uh, uh, really just sort of turned a blind eye knowing that that was happening. Well, now Interbike has said, and they announced uh, last week in a media phone call, press conference of sorts, that they are now starting with the 2013 sh show. Uh, at their new home in Mandalay Bay at the uh, convention center there, uh, have now announced a consumer initiative that they are calling Interbike by Invitation. Now, as you know, Interbike takes place over five days. The first two days are outdoor demo. The last three days, typically Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, are what we have now started to call the indoor show, uh, the traditional trade show aspect of Interbike. And traditionally, what has happened is the last day of the show, Friday, is the least attended. Uh, uh, and by about noon, typically the show ends about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And by about noon, the place is a ghost town. And you start seeing exhibitors slowly, and in some cases not so slowly, breaking down their booths. So what Interbike has said is that what they're going to do is they're going to take Friday, and they're going to make that the time when guests, consumers, you, will have an opportunity to go to the show. But it's not like you can just show up there and arrive and get a badge. Here's the way it's going to work. Every bike dealer who registers for the show, and they've got to be registered and attending the show, every bike dealer who registers will be given an allocation of invitations that they can extend to their best customers. The allocation will be geography-based. So in other words, if you are a bike shop in Maine, don't expect to get 50 invitations. But if you're a bike shop in Southern Nevada, Southern California, Arizona, etc., you can probably expect a larger allocation of invitations. Each invitation can be given to one consumer, and the admission for that consumer on Friday only, and by the way, they're extending the hours for Friday all the way through till 6 p.m., which probably won't make some exhibitors happy, but it's a way for consumers to get into the show. Each consumer's ticket will cost $50. Now, Interbike is suggesting that bike dealers might want to subsidize that $50 fee for their best customers. But at the end of the day, 
if you get an interbike for 50 bucks, that really is quite the deal. Good luck seeing the entire show from 9 a.m. through 6 p.m., but I think that you will really enjoy the experience. So, time to start schmoozing your dealers, folks. Go in, see your IBDs. We'll talk a little bit more about when you should see your IBDs in a moment. Hint, hint, this Saturday. Go schmooze your IBDs, become a really good customer for them, and hopefully you'll have access to one of their allocated invitations. Now, a couple of things you need to know about. No, you will not be allowed to go to Outdoor Demo. This is only for Friday of the indoor section of the show. Two, will you be able to buy anything off the show floor? Well, Interbike's answer is no. And they say that they're going to have extra security on the show floor on this final day of the show and that anybody walking out of the facility who is not an exhibitor and if they've got a product, they will be turned around and directed back to the exhibitor's booth. Are there ways around this? Absolutely. I think exhibitors will probably get quite creative with this. But you will not be able to walk away with a product that you bought at the show. Nevertheless, this is a great opportunity. Uh, it will give you access to something that traditionally you've not supposed to have access to. And I think that uh, those of you who have the opportunity to go will really enjoy it. Hopefully again, I will be in my little uh, glass booth doing uh, my good morning interbike stuff. And if so, please stop by, knock on the glass and wave at me, preferably if I'm not recording a segment, but you know, go ahead. It's all right. Anyway, interbike by invitation. If you want more information, I've got a link in the show notes to the full press release and FAQ all about interbike by invitation. And I hope to see you at interbike in September 2013. So when exactly is a good time to start schmoozing those dealers to try to reserve your spot for their invitation for Interbike by Invitation? Well, according to a local bicycle publication, Bicycle Utah, this Saturday, December 8th, is being promoted worldwide as Bike Shop Saturday. And it's in response to all of this hype and hoopla, at least here in the United States, that we hear about Small Business Day or Cyber Monday or Black Friday. And Bicycle Utah is trying to get the entire bicycle community behind its efforts that this Saturday, December 8th, 2012, is Bike Shop Saturday. Uh, and they want that to always be the second Saturday in December throughout the world. According to their press release, recognizing that local bike shops and bike-related businesses are the backbone of the cycling community, the event encourages cyclists to patronize those businesses during the holiday shopping season. According to the editor of Cycling Utah, Dave Iltis, quote, the holiday shopping season is a great time to buy locally and better yet, to support your local bike shop. Dollars spent at your local bike shop are used to sponsor bike events and bike clubs, hire employees, and bring more people in your community to the great sport and transportation mode of cycling, unquote. Now, they've got a Facebook page, and they've got their own website just for Bike Shop Saturday. I've put links in the show notes. Go ahead and check it out. And you know, any day is a great day to go visit your IBD, uh, your LBS, whatever you decide to call it. Uh, Go visit your local bike shop, schmooze them for the Interbike by Invitation invites, but most importantly, go spend some money uh, and support bike shops, bicycle businesses, and support Bike Shop Saturday. And while Bike Shop Saturday is touted as a worldwide event this Saturday, December the 8th, there is another event a little bit more local to the San Diego community. Of course, those of you in the Inland Empire, Southern Orange County, maybe even L.A. County can certainly participate as well. Uh, and that's because down in Carlsbad, which is the home of Campagnolo North America, Campagnolo is going to have a holiday toy drive and bike ride and this is going to happen this Saturday, December the 8th, meeting at 7.30 a.m. for some snacks and then heading out for the ride at 9 a.m. And this is all being done in the memory of Troy Angwin, who is a longtime uh, member of the bicycle industry who died in June this year. Now, Campagnolo's done previous holiday rides before, and this one is going to follow essentially the same route, heading south to Torrey Pine State Park and then back to Campagnolo's offices for more good conversation and snacks. 
I am going to bet I'm going to know more than a couple of people that are going to be there. Uh, Hint, hint, Rich Kelly, Tim Jackson. At least I'm hoping, considering uh, they ride with Tom from Campagnolo all the time. Uh, So I'm going to guess that they're going to be there. Maybe even Steve Driscoll as well. So if you guys are going to be there, uh, bring a toy and uh, join in. This sounds like a great event, a great time to get together with the guys from Campy. And, uh, you know, there's just a, a huge uh, contingent of the bicycle industry down in San Diego. So go join them for a great ride in sunny Southern California along one of my favorite routes uh, in Southern California. If you go, please bring an unwrapped toy for a child of any age, and then those will be collected and taken to Rady Children's Hospital and donated in Troy Angwin's name. If you're interested in going, again, uh, people are going to meet up at 7.30, the ride heads out at 9, and Campagnola North America is at 5431 Avenida Encinas in Carlsbad, California. Uh, The zip code there is 92008. Once again, 5431 Avenida Encinas in Carlsbad, 92008. I'll put a link in the show notes to a Google map so that you know exactly where you're going. Go out, have a great time. It's for a great cause. And of course, enjoy the ride. Are there any Money Python fans here? Okay, if there are, you'll recognize the sound you're hearing as that of King Arthur approaching a castle, seeking out knights to join him in his quest for the Holy Grail and to become members of his round table in his court at Camelot. We have ridden the length and breadth of the land in search of knights who will join me in my court at Camelot. I must speak with your lord and master. What? Ridden on a horse? Yes. You're using coconuts. What? You've got two empty halves of coconut and you're banging them together. So? We have ridden... So? Well, how cool would it be if your bike could sound like that? Well, a design studio called... Original Content London has figured out exactly how to make your trusty steed sound like King Arthur's trusty steed by allowing it to automatically, as they said, bang two halves of coconuts together to make it sound like your bike is trotting. Those of us who used to put uh, all kinds of things in our bicycle spokes, playing cards, baseball cards, understand the joy of being able to ride with a noise that 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 matches the tempo of our cycling. And now comes a new product called Trotify. And Trotify is a wooden kit. It's gorgeous, by the way. A wooden kit that will mount to the front of your bike. And then as you pedal, your tire and the speed of your tire will trigger Trotify to clomp those two halves of coconut together, giving you that wonderful King Arthur sound as if you were on Monty Python. Trotify comes shipped flat. You have to pop out the wood pieces, assemble them together, and the whole thing costs you $40 and will ship in March of 2013. Go ahead and check it out. I've put a link in the show notes. I think it's cool. I think I'm going to put it on my electric bike. Of course, uh, African swallows are non-migratory. Oh, yeah. So they couldn't bring a coconut back anyway. Wait a minute. Supposing two swallows carried it together? No, they just have it on a line. Well, simple. They just use a strand of creeper. Sorry about that. I I guess I just couldn't help myself. Um, All right. Talking about products, and and maybe this one's a little bit more Fred-like, so let's talk about this one. Uh, You may be familiar with the uh, stationary indoor trainer company called Kinetic, and they make a wide range of indoor trainers, a lot of things that people call mag trainers, wind trainers, etc. Well, they've recently come out with a new system that those of you with iPhones, I think, are going to like a lot. It's called the Kinetic in-ride system, and it combines an iPhone app with any kinetic stationary trainer, and it will give you power, speed, and cadence data right on your iPhone. Now, uh, the, the system relies on the Bluetooth smart wireless protocol, which is built into the iPhone 5 and into third generation and fourth generation 
iPads. So you've got to have one of the newer uh, iOS devices. It then uses a wireless heart rate monitor strap uh, and a power and speed sensor pod that works with the fluid resistance trainers in the Kinetic line. Data from the app can then be uploaded to coaching sites like Training Peaks or perhaps social media sites like uh, Strava. Uh, and in the app, you'll be able to read out uh, time in zone for both heart rate and power. Uh, and then a bunch of programmable rider uh, data for training zones, calories burned. And then this I really like, some of the uh, peaks uh, metrics that a lot of us are used to, things like TSS. The entire kit includes a heart rate monitor and the power sensor, and it sells for $229, and the app is available for free on the iTunes store. As always, I've got links in the show notes. If you've got a kinetic fluid trainer, I think this is something that you'll probably, oh, and of course, if you've got an iPhone 5, an iPad 3 or 4, I think this is something you'll really like. Go ahead and check it out. Links are in the show notes. In the wake of the 2012 Olympic Games in London, there can be no doubt that this was very much the year of the British athlete. Uh, consider Andy Murray winning the U.S. Open and, of course, all of the amazing performances by British athletes at the Olympic Games of London. But it seems to me that when it came time for the Sports Journalists Association of Britain to name their Sportsman of the Year for 2012, it seemed to me that they really had no choice. Great Britain's only winner of the Tour de France, uh, a uh, Olympic gold medalist at the 2012 Olympic Games, it seemed to me that there was no contest. And as a result, not unexpected, at least to me and many others, Bradley Wiggins is indeed the winner of the 2012 Sports Journalists Association of Britain's annual Sportsman of the Year. Now, Wiggins is not the first British cyclist to win this coveted award, uh, included uh, among his peers in having won the award the award, excuse me, are uh, Reg Harris, Tommy Simpson, uh, Chris Hoy, and Mark Cavendish. Now, it seems to me that there is one more thing left for Bradley Wiggins to win that would cap off uh, his career and put him on a par with people like Mark Cavendish and Chris Hoy, and that would be to receive an honor from the Queen. As you know, uh, Chris Hoy is Sir Chris Hoy. Uh, Mark Cavendish is Mark Cavendish MBE, or member of the most excellent order of the British Empire. Uh, we shall see whether or not Bradley Wiggins can become Sir Bradley Wiggins, or if he will get another uh, accolade directly from the Queen, but it seems like that is a possibility over the next year. So congratulations to Bradley Wiggins on this latest achievement. And since Bradley Wiggins is the most recent winner of the Tour de France, it makes sense that this is the right place to talk Tour de France news, specifically 2013 Tour de France news. And that news is that Alberto Contador, uh, who well, purportedly won the Tour de France, but then had his title stripped from him because of allegations of the use of a banned substance, specifically clenbuterol, uh, Alberto Contador is now talking of possibly boycotting the 2013 Tour de France. And the reason for that is, as you might know, Alberto Contador is a member of Bjarne Reese's Saxobank Tinkoff team. And at the moment, that team is battling for the final license in the World Tour. And the reason why they're battling for that is that they simply do not have enough points to automatically qualify for the license. Remember, we've been talking about that pretty much all season and the fact that because of Contador's ban, Saxo Bank was not able to use uh, Alberto Contador's points uh, to uh, bring the team's total 
to the proper sum in order to get their world tour license. And so as a result, there is a battle going on to see whether or not the team will get the license. And Alberto Contador has said now that he will boycott uh, uh, and not ride with another team or as an independent if his team does not get granted the license. He told a French television station, France 2, quote, I want a 100% firm guarantee that Saxo Tinkoff is taking part in the 2013 tour. If I am to receive such a decision two months before the tour start, I am not taking part in the tour. I have to prepare properly to be able to win the Tour de France if I don't have enough time for both myself and other team members to carry out the proper training needed in the months leading up to the Tour, then I am not riding the Tour, unquote. Not certain whether or not this is going to sway the UCI, typically unswayable uh, in situations like this, but even more unswayable is the Amari Sports Organization, or ASO, the folks who put on the Tour de France. They have shown in the past that they don't take kindly to being threatened, and so I don't think that Alberto Contador's threat is going to sway them, at least not in the direction he likes. We'll see what happens. I kind of have a feeling that when all is said and done, because of the, uh, despite the threat, uh, I think that because of the notoriety and popul- popularity of the Saxo Bank Tinkoff team uh, because of Alberto Contador being on the team. I mean, he just recently won the uh, 2012 edition of the Vuelta a España. Uh, he's a Giro d'Italia winner, and I think that he certainly wants to prove himself, and I think that it would make for an exciting race. Um, because of that and because of the popularity of the team, if I were a betting man, I would say I'll bet that uh, the team does get a license for the 2013 season and that they will be invited to the Tour de France. So this all could be for naught. And while we're on the topic of Alberto Contador, kind of a strange story out of Spain earlier this week. I mentioned a few moments ago about how Alberto Contador's victory in the Tour de France was wiped away uh, as a result of a positive doping control and the use of the banned substance clenbuterol. You will all recall that the excuse uh, that Alberto Contador clung to and continues to cling to uh, was that the clenbuterol got into his system through some tainted Spanish beef that was delivered to him uh, by a friend uh, at the Tour de France, from Spain directly to France, uh, for him to eat between stages during the tour. Well, the friend that delivered the beef to Alberto Contador is José Luis López Serrón, who is a former professional cyclist and the organizer of the Tour of Castilla y León. And he was recently, and this is the strange part, he was recently elected as the president of Spain's Cycling Federation, the RFEC. And this was voted in an assembly in Madrid last Saturday, according to the RFEC. Now, I get the fact that this is a former professional cyclist and the organizer of a a very well-known race, not just in Spain, but worldwide. Um, But I can't help but think that this is the Spanish Federation's further attempts at thumbing their nose at the UCI and WADA over Alberto Contador's clenbuterol uh, doping positive. You'll remember uh, that after the 2010 Tour de France and the positive for clenbuterol, that the Spanish Cycling Federation in uh, January or February of 2011 declared that Contador was clear of all of the charges, and it took an appeal by the UCI and WADA before Alberto Contador's ban went into effect. So one has to think that this is just the Federation thumbing their nose at world cycling uh, by uh, giving this guy the job. I mean, even if just in some small way. I mean, does anybody disagree with me on that? Meanwhile, a lot of people wondered whether or not clenbuterol would actually have a positive effect on the performance of cyclists. Well, here's a study that looks at... uh, an even more popular quote-unquote drug for professional cyclists and questions its uh, effects. 
This study, which was recently published in the British, uh, the Journal of the British Pharmacological Society, indicates that the use of erythropoietin, or EPO as we all know it, may have doubtful, if any, positive effects on the performance of professional athletes. The study looked at 13 different studies conducted between 1991 and 2010 and concluded that, quote, there is no scientific evidence that it does enhance performance, but there is evidence that using it in sport could place a user's health and life at risk, unquote. Now, if this is true, it blows the top off of a lot of uh, cycling schemes uh, in, excuse me, doping schemes in professional cycling. Uh, remember, uh, part of USADA's reasoned decision indicates that Lance Armstrong uh, was using EPO in addition to blood doping, uh, testosterone, and other methods. And according to at least this study, the EPO would have no positive effect on a professional rider. Imagine how the Festina riders would feel about that as well. According to one uh, interview with lead researcher Adam Cohen, quote, an elite cyclist runs on technique, on muscle power, which is supplied by oxygen and glucose and amino acids and foods, on team tactics, on weather, on millions of things. To assume that one of these factors, which is delivery of oxygen to tissue, is going to clinch the whole thing is rather naive." Unquote. Now, WADA, uh, the Director General of WADA, David Howman, uh, uh, indicated in an email to Bloomberg News the following, quote, EPO has been the subject of much research with regards to its physiological effects and potential consequence on human performance. WADA is totally satisfied with the credibility of this research, and consequently, EPO is prohibited under Section 2.1 of the List of Prohibited Substances and Methods. The study's authors suggest that a lot of the uh, studies that uh, Howman uh, refers to were done with non-elite athletes. And uh, he believes that studies now need to be done with elite athletes, um, that's interesting by the way, um, need to be done with elite athletes in order to determine whether or not the EPO is providing uh, a, a, a competitive advantage to those athletes uh, uh, when they use EPO in competition. Uh, why did I say that was interesting? Um, well, here you've got WADA sticking in their heels saying, no, 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 no. We've done the studies. We know that this is uh, a performance enhancer. And that has been the understanding of many of us in the cycling community for many, many years. Uh, on the other hand, you've got these this uh, study and its authors who were saying, absolutely not. There is no uh, effect, uh, a positive effect that's going to get one guy over the line because he's using it and the rest of the guys will not uh, be able to beat him. Um, I don't know. I'm, I guess I've become really cynical when it comes to doping and when it comes to some of these studies. Uh, a lot of times you, know, you hear people say you can find a study to support any claim that you might make. Um, I'd be curious to know where, how this was, was funded, uh, where the funding came from, uh, and uh, whether or not there are any links to, um, and again, maybe this is tinfoil hat kind of stuff, but whether there are any links to any riders who have been uh, accused or, or convicted or, uh, or, or whether, I don't know, it just seems odd to me after so many years of having been told that EPO is a performance enhancer. I'm just wondering where this came from and how it came out of the blue and also wondering a little bit about the timing uh, in light of, as I said at the beginning of the show, the winds of change in cycling. So I'm not making any accusation against anyone. I'm not even implying anything. All I'm saying is I'm cynical about this one and I'm curious to see where it goes, but I just, I found it interesting and I wanted to bring it to you. Uh, if you've got any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. Closing out the pro cycling uh, portion of the show comes the announcement from California of the host cities for the 2013 edition of the Amgen Tour of California taking place May 12th through the 19th, 2013. Big change 
I don't know how big it is, but they're touting it as a big change. Big change for 2013 is that instead of starting in Northern California and heading to Southern California, hold on, get ready to have your mind blown. They're going to be going from Southern California to Northern California. Uh, this year's tour of California begins on May the 12th with a uh, first stage that begins and ends in Escondido, California, down in Northern San Diego County. Uh, then moving from Murrieta to Palm Springs on stage two. St- uh, and by the way, Murrieta and Palm Springs both new to the Amgen Tour of California. Uh, From there will be the Stage 3, which will take riders from Palmdale to Santa Clarita, a route that I know very well. And then Stage 4, another route I know very well from Santa Clarita to Santa Barbara. Stage 5 will take the riders from Santa Barbara to Avila Beach. And then Stage 6 The riders will move to San Jose for a downtown San Jose urban individual time trial. I kind of miss Solvang. I thought that was a great venue for the individual time trial. But based on the crowds that I've seen in San Jose before, I think this is going to be a very popular stage, stage six of the 2013 Amgen Tour of California. Stage seven is going to begin in Livermore and climb all the way up to the top of Mount Diablo for a mountaintop finish. And then the eighth and final stage of the 2013 Amgen Tour of California is going to begin in San Francisco and then finish in the hometown of Charles Schultz, creator of Peanuts. Oh, no, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, Charles Schultz from Peanuts. Yeah, that is his hometown, but also the hometown of a multi-time winner of the Amgen Tour of California, Levi Leipheimer. More information on the Amgen Tour of California website. Of course, there is a link in the show notes, but get ready for uh, what probably will be another great week of racing at the 2013 Amgen Tour of California. Hey, while I was recording uh, the show tonight, I got an email from the co-founder of a new website. It looked interesting to me and I thought I would let you know about it so you can check it out for yourself. The new website is called rallyin.com. That's R-A-L-L-Y-I-N.com. It was launched just two weeks ago. Uh, and at least from my initial poking around on the website, it seems to me kind of a, a, a mashup between Uh, social networking sites, traditional social networking sites, uh, and also sites like uh, social review sites like TripAdvisor and uh, Yelp, uh, and also uh, product sites uh, and brand sites kind of like Pinterest. So RallyIn, as described to me by the co-founder, is a social network uh, all about community and uh, being able to build a social network around uh, things that people are passionate in, specifically in their lifestyles, things like cycling, running, even as the co-founder says, even knitting. Uh, So what you do is you go to Rally In and you join and you have the opportunity to post a product review, uh, maybe do a demo video, maybe compare one product to another. Maybe you're looking at, uh, I don't know, different kinds of hydration packs and you want to compare those uh, for your friends. Now, you can do that as a user, uh, but brands can also go on and do that as well. Brands can also go on and post their own uh, advertisements and also uh, post products to sell. Uh, so it's a place where you can get product reviews, product demos, product comparisons, product offers, and also product advertisements. It's an interesting idea. I'm uh, curious to see what you think about it and whether or not uh, the site has legs. I went on it. Again, it's brand new. It's still in beta, so there are not a great deal of entries or participants. But I look at sites like uh, gdgt.com as an example. Um, And that's a place where techies go to do very similar kinds of things. So this is an opportunity for you to go in, choose cycling, or as they put it, and I hate this term, biking uh, as your lifestyle or as your interest, and then join up 
and uh, post reviews, read reviews from other users. Uh, we'll see whether or not it has legs, but I thought I would bring it to you because it really is brand new uh, and uh, you can be uh, a first and early adopter, if you will. And finally tonight, this story from Sweden about a rear-ended cyclist who turned the other cheek. A Swedish woman heading home after a Saturday night out with friends had her journey rudely interrupted when she was knocked off her bicycle by a rear end sticking out from a passing car. Said Pernilla Nordqvist, 22 years old, quote, I had no time to realize what was happening. I flew. Only the head and legs were still in the car. Quite a bit of the upper body and legs were also sticking out. Now, to be serious for a moment, we shouldn't uh, make fun of this situation because uh, the story later goes on to say that unfortunately Nordqvist had to go to the doctor and uh, even miss a day of work uh, and she had to take some pain pills because she had uh, pain in her neck and her legs as a result of having fallen to the ground. Nevertheless, uh, Joachim Oha of the Skeleftea police uh, told a local newspaper, quote, I'm not sure how I should put this. Uh, I think he means into his report, since I've never seen anything like it. The butt of a passenger was hanging out of the window of the car, and that is what hit the cyclist, unquote. Uh, uh, Mr. Oha said that police had identified the owner of the offending rump and the other passengers in the car. And while no criminal charges have been formally filed, police are treating the incident as a case of reckless driving. Okay, look, the situation is funny. I mean, you know, I, I find it kind of hard to believe that somebody was mooning someone and then knocked them off their bike. I mean, that's kind of funny. However, on the other hand, it's the act of knocking someone off their bike, which is not funny in the slightest. We all have uh, had issues like this in our cities and towns, and, and these things shouldn't happen. I don't like the fact that they're treating it like uh, reckless driving. Uh, and I think that the, what did, how did they put it? The owner of the offending rump should be charged uh, with having assaulted uh, the, the cyclist and for causing her injuries. And with the conclusion of that story and without being cheeky, I want to let you know that we've now come to the bottom of the news or what we might call the rear end of the show because we don't have any features tonight uh, simply because our show was so plump with news. Uh, so that will round out the news and bring to a firm end this week's episode of the Fredcast. Now, before we go, just a couple of announcements and also to thank our sponsors. First of all, it is the holiday shopping season. I know that you're all busily shopping for your friends and family. When you do, I hope you'll use the links on the Fredcast website. When you do so, you get the same prices you would get normally, uh, but uh, the Fredcast gets a little bit of a spiff. Uh, a little bit of a commission for you having gone to those websites. So a couple of examples. Uh, go to Amazon.com. You can do that through the show notes or through any of the links that are right there on the Fredcast.com. You're going to get the same Amazon prices. You're going to get the same deal, but we're going to get a little spiff to help pay for hosting and the other expenses uh, uh, in regards to the show. Plus, I've got a new deal for you. It's that time of year. You're moving your bike inside, at least those of us in the Northern Hemisphere. And when you do, you need Need something to watch to keep you motivated, and I found uh, uh, one of the great DVD series uh, and also digital downloads is from Epic Rides, and I've told you about the Epic uh, Rides series of DVDs. Great deal for you, uh, uh, and just for Fredcast listeners, if you go through the link on the website, on my website, and when you check out uh, at checkout, when you're making your purchase of your Epic Ride DVD or digital download, if you use the discount code FRED, F-R-E-D, you're going to get a 20% discount uh, just for being a listener of the Fredcast. So go check that out. Um, there's a bunch of other links on the website, uh, Road ID, Sufferfest, uh, uh, iTunes. Please use those links on the website. And finally, I would be remiss, again, if I didn't mention our main sponsor, Jensen USA. Please go to jensenusa.com slash thefredcast or click through the link at thefredcast.com for Jensen USA. And don't forget about their awesome 12 days of Christmas. Uh, Jensen USA, great selection of product, 
incredible pricing and unparalleled customer service. We thank them and all of our sponsors for supporting the Fredcast, and we thank you for supporting our sponsors. I've mentioned the show notes several times during today's show, and the best place to get those, the only place to get those, is by going to our website at www.thefredcast.com. Of course, you can follow along with everything that we're doing here at The Fredcast by following us on Twitter, and that's twitter.com slash fredcast, or find us on Facebook, and you can find links on the website uh, or in the show notes. And finally, if you'd like to send us some audio comments to play here on the show, uh, there's two ways to do it. Go to the website and click the send a voice message button, or call our Fredcast listener hotline at area code 661-513-FRED. That's 661-513-3733. And finally tonight, it's time for one of my favorite parts of the show, and I've been doing this since day one, nearly seven years ago, almost today, next week, seven years ago. I started doing this, and I've continued it, and I am really pleased uh, to have a partner in providing you with Podsafe Cycling Music. This week's Podsafe Cycling Music, as it has been for some time, was chosen specifically for the Fredcast by IndoorCyclingMusic.com the home of the free weekly featured track and premium members content of weekly 30 and 60 minute cardio mixes and monthly 90 cardi 90 minute cardio mixes to get the world moving. I love indoorcyclingmusic.com. I use it all the time. I hope you'll check it out at www.indoorcyclingmusic.com. Tonight's artist is Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. This track is entitled Home, and we hope that you'll consider the Fredcast your home for cycling news, views, reviews, and more. Please tell your friends about the Fredcast, and thank you so much for listening, staying subscribed, and continuing to engage with the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. I love doing the show, and I can't wait for, I don't know, seven plus more years of doing the Fredcast. So between this show and the next, enjoy the music, but most of all, enjoy the ride.
Jay.